Good. Where, where's the smart marks at? They're there. They're talk to them. Good. Can I? Yeah. I would love you to. Can I really? You know how I feel. Can I swear? I'm, I'm, absolutely. Ask your friends over here. All right. Fuck you. The New Jersey Kid, Joe Sheehan. That's the difference between you and I. For me, this is about passion, and for you, this is about fame. And nobody will ever remember you. The Rogue of Wrestling, Michael Newman. Yeah, that works in Hollywood, that works in the movies, but this isn't the movies, this is real life. And in real life, I am the real hero. You're listening to the Super Smart Brothers Pro Wrestling Podcast. All right, now I'm recording. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome back to the Super Smart Brothers Pro Wrestling Podcast. It's a brand new year, a brand new decade, and of course a new day, as it always is. It's a new day, yes it is. It's a new day, yes it is. And uh, you know what? I just want to get right into it and say that like, for the first time in a little while, uh, I feel like the most exciting feud for me in the WWE context, is a tag team feud. And how the fuck often does that ever happen in WWE? Would that be the New Day's current feud? Oh, yes. New Day in the dirt sheet, my friend. <laughs> now, big question for you. So, yes. you were very excited John Morrison was back on TV, we'll say, because he has been with other companies, but Lucha Underground kind of went away. And, yes. Um... Uh, I don't. Were you, were you watching Impact when he was there? Uh, off and on, I would I would mostly watch like his matches, like but I, I didn't usually yeah. watch like the whole show. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like I watched a lot of his like matches, like his stuff with like Austin Aries, um, mm-hmm. especially the beginning, and a couple of his other feuds like later on as well. But yes, now he's he's coming uh, back to WWE with the Miz. WWE with this. So how did you feel when his? Whereas in his first words, he had that small interview backstage where he just came out of the Miz's locker room. Mm-hmm. But then out in front of the whole crowd, he is praising the Miz and talking about how great he is and how the the crowd uh, is not appreciating him and things like that. How did that make you feel? Because that, like, I absolutely loved. Uh, yeah, well, it's like because he's, well, he's playing a heel character. You know, he's, he's trying to say that the Miz is awesome when, uh, you yeah. know, the Miz is clearly not really because uh, like oh my gosh so because uh you know we led into there was the first the match between Miz and kofi where morrison helped him and then we did the match this last week where or yesterday a couple days ago days are getting mixed up for me where morrison had the match against biggie and mm. world's different as far as things like it's just it's so many flashes of like 2010 and stuff where it's like you know Miz is so 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 bad in the ring that it's like jesus christ and then morrison just so effortlessly outshines him to the point where it's like oh yeah i remember what this was like and it's like my i almost kind of like i know that they do work as a tag team kind of but i really feel like the best version of these two is just that morrison is the wrestler and miz is the manager like Miz always should have been a manager. I'm just going to say that. Yeah. yeah. Or Miz could work as a manager or that uh, shitty heel that's just got the uh, muscle. I, see, I don't... Like, because he's, he's done that before. And I think that he just... He is so bad in ring that he actively makes every match that he's in, like, several grades worse. Like, he takes me out. Like, it's, this is, it's not even just that he's, like, not fun, but he's, like unengaging like he takes me out of the suspension of disbelief and reminds me that i'm watching a wrestling match instead of just mm-hmm. oh yeah i'm watching these guys fight and i'm into the story like because he's bad but he's so good at his character right and yeah. and morrison still even after all this time like he's gotten a little better on the mic a little bit more confident but he's still not that good mm-hmm. and it's like i feel like the best thing of both worlds is just let morrison basically Almost never talk. Just do like his couple little one-liners because he does have really good like zingers when he's being ridiculous. Yes. But when he yeah. talks for too long, it's those bad. little. Yeah, he he's he's that guy that just sits in the corner and like snipes you. Yeah, with those. 
or like you know it's like Miz could talk him up talk him up and then be like oh yeah like don't you have like or uh, one of my favorite Morrisonisms was saying about how like you know there's no fat chicks at the palace of wisdom like that's a great <laughs> little line for Morrison to have you know things like that just like random little boasts or one-liners and then just go back to him just being like no I'm not gonna talk and I'm gonna let Miz talk for me yeah I feel like that would work so well mm-hmm and so, like, like I said, I'm still excited about the whole tag team scenario just because I'm such a Morrison mark. But, and I like Kofi and Biggie. That also very much helps. Like, you know, this is also what I feel like I've finally been saying for so long. With New New Day never having appropriate competition in the tag team division, this is finally a tag team that can actually stand up to New Day on every level. Because mm-hmm. Morrison can go with them in the ring, and Miz can hang with them on the mic. Yeah. And nobody else has been knew that, been able to do that with them for years. Uh, I would argue that the revival could, if they had been put in the right position. Well, I so I think every other tag team could only do one half. Like the revival can hang with them in the ring for sure, but the revival's not that good on yeah. the mic. They're okay at best. Enzo and Cass, Enzo was great on the mic, but sucked in the ring. You know, mm-hmm. so it's kind of like and Cass was just bad all over. Yeah, Cass, Cass was just bad all over. <laughs> just a fat piece of shit that guy was. Uh, but, you know, the dirt sheet is the full package as far as a tag team. Miz just needs to get better in the ring. Miz just needs to get better in the ring. But that's just, uh, honestly, at this point, it's but, never going to happen. It's too late. I mean, I, w- I would like to look back on their matches back then, and I feel like they always kind of used Miz correctly for his skill set in there. When I feel mm-hmm. like a lot of times he was the one taking the damage, and then Morrison would be the one that would, like, pop in and do all the actual work. Yeah, and then, yeah, Miz can capitalize every once in a while once Morrison's cleaned house. So, yeah, I feel like that's part, right, exactly what you're saying, is the tag team is really smartly designed to hide both of their weaknesses. Because mm-hmm. the way that you can design a match around, you know, Miz being the guy that gets beat up and then Morrison coming in for the hot tag helps hide Miz's absolutely horrendous in-ring skills. <laughs> yeah. And letting Miz do the bulk of the talking helps hide Morrison's subpar mic skills. So... They help each other out. Like, that's why they're a good tag team. And, of course, you know, gimmick chemistry, I think, helps too. But, yeah. But, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm still trying to maintain hope and be excited about his return because I feel like it's like, all right, cool. They're putting him with the Miz, so there's actually a plan. Instead of, because my biggest concern when he was going to come back was that instead of doing something like this, was that they were just going to have him be another uh, baby face in the mid card. And just get completely, you know, like, uh, lost in the shuffle. But I feel like this is a much better spot for him. But uh, I don't know. What, what do you think of his return so far with The Miz? I think it's... I liked bringing him back with The Miz. Because I feel like it's been a long enough time that... Like, it's it's not like uh, how many times DX, like, came back towards those later part of the years when both Sean and Triple H were still active Mm -hmm. it's like been a long enough time that it is like the nostalgic act so to speak and uh i think it fits well for like reintroducing morrison so to speak because he's also been long enough gone long enough that there's a lot of fans probably in wwe that are just like who is he yeah there's you know probably a whole Um, group of fans who's group of fans who've never seen a whole generation at this because what it's been 12 years i think or something like that that he's been nine in wwe Nine left in two thousand eleven. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, definitely could be a whole new generation. Yeah. Well, it's like, and and also as far as like, um, who who's come up during that time, like that is a really big period of time to have not been there because that's almost like all of modern NXT, right? Like NXT, like as an actual brand and things like that. Because he left before the Shield came out. I think. Right. I was gonna say yeah when Cena was still on top. Yeah, so yeah, so he left. Yeah, when Cena was still on top, and before the Shield, I think even existed. I think the Shield came out very shortly after he left. Yeah, so that's like I think that's a really good marker as far as like yeah, he's been gone for all of Shield and NXT era, NXT uh, WWE. Mm-hmm. Which I it really has kind of been like the two biggest modern definers for like the modern era WWE because like the biggest top stars for the couple of years have been Shield guys, Roman Reigns and. Seth Rollins, at at times minorly Dean Ambrose, <laughs> and then basically your other NXT people who've come up. So, 
So yeah, it, it's it's interesting. It's interesting to see him come back into a completely different WWE because the the pool of people that he was there with are almost all gone, and the people that are there now are all people who like basically weren't there when he was there. Yeah, uh, twenty twelve was their debut. So yeah, he completely missed them. Yep. So yeah, it's like he's got a lot of dream matches for sure. And but the other thing that's really good about his return and the way they've done it is thank God they saved the Miz from having to be a babyface anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Morrison coming in clutch on that. Yeah, it's like if if nothing else, if nothing else comes from this, it's like thank God he saved the Miz from himself. <laughs> Helped him turn back into being a heel. Because I mean, I like I feel like we've seen it twice now. This is then the second time they tried Miz as a babyface. And it, yes, because it was just recently, and then it was also during the Shane feud. Yes, yes, yeah, so, yeah. Both both times it was with Shane, and it was like God. Yeah, it's been awful every time. And uh, I don't, like, do you think there's any benefit? Like, should they ever try babyface Miz ever again? No, he's he's. He's one of those guys that should have always just been a heel. Like that's how he works. Like it's fine. There are there are certain wrestlers that can do both, but there's been plenty of wrestlers that are good one certain way. Yep. So I, I don't I don't see the need to like like oh, we need to try to make them like a dual threat so to speak. It's like no, you're fine just being a heel your whole career. Well, the, the thing I think that I I don't I'm I'd be curious to see what the reality of this on on this is, but my theory is the reason that Miz initially wanted to try and turn babyface and see if he could make it work was because he was having a kid. And so I think there was some part of him that's like, oh, well, I want there to be a representation of me as a wrestler who's not the bad guy so that my kid can look mm. up to. And it's like, I don't know, man. I feel like you just need to, like, get over that and realize that, like, Ric Flair's yeah. kids didn't hate him for being a heel. Like, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, for all of those years, like... Yeah, it's like, look, your kids are going to be proud of you if you're a good parent. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. whether you're a good wrestler or not, if, if they give a shit about wrestling, I guess that might matter to them. But, like, you know... Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think I think most kids are able to separate that kind of a thing. Yeah. And so I think, hopefully, he's gotten that bug out of his ass, and he can just go back to being a good heel. Because that, that is one of the other things, too, at least as far as, like, how much of a shame it is when he's a bad face, is that he is actually a really good heel character. Yes. Like, people really hate him. Yeah, and for the right reasons a lot of the times. Like, because he actually gets under your skin, he's actually annoying, he's an actual asshole. It's not just because, like, it's Baron Corbin and he's trying to do the same thing again and again, and it's just like, God, this is boring, turn off my TV. Like, Miz has a perfectly punchable face. You want to see him get beat up. Yeah, but yeah, Corbin, my God, like this this feud with Reigns is just like ongoing forever. Oh, and it's just bad. <laughs> Although at least I guess finally Roman Reigns is smart enough to finally get some backup because the Usos are like helping him now. Yeah, the actual relatives, right? Mm -hmm. Instead of just friends. Yep. Yeah, like that's. I feel like that's one of the other things. Like, why haven't they just been playing up that dynamic all the time? Like, I know every once in a while they acknowledge it's like, oh yeah. Roman Reigns oh, yeah, and Usos cousins. are cousins, and they like each other, and they'll tag team. But then, like, they'll just not, and they won't help each other, and bad shit will happen to them. And it's like, well, why aren't these guys, like, consistently helping each other? Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I don't know why. I mean, I guess I do know why. WWE is so fixated on having people be, like, these islands that don't need anybody. That That's why they're so anti-people being in factions. And yeah. even when they do make factions, it's, like, the whole long-term goal is just to, like, secretly elevate one person and, like, fuck everyone else over. It's, like, mm -hmm. I don't know. I feel like a lot of people could just be better off with, like, longer-standing factions. Or these associations, Oh yeah, you know? be Being uh, held up, like, if you have a weakness, having a faction is great because then you can, like, be surrounded by people that are better at that thing than you are. Yeah. I mean, just look at it on a smaller scale of the tag team of Morrison and Miz. Mm-hmm. Morrison's the better in-ring guy. Miz is the better uh, talker. Yeah. And then hell, even in, like for the Roman Reigns, one of his biggest problems for so long was like being able to be perceived as like basically humble enough to be likable and actually genuine. And like the Usos, I feel like if he was constantly hanging out with the Usos and like being able to show off his, you know, more fun, yeah, side. Like his fun side around them, 
people would have gotten into cheering into him way longer ago. Like, people would be yeah, way more into the Roman Reigns. The Usos are another... Because, yeah, the Usos, Usos are way better as uh, baby faces than heels. Absolutely. Absolutely. They did have a... I will get... At one point, they did have a good heel run. Like, when they started doing that more... Like, they changed their theme and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. To, like, the more serious one. Um, so, I will give them that, that they did. But, like, they're a really good baby face tag team. People get excited for them. Like, because it seems like the Usos are very genuine in the mm-hmm. ring. Like, you can see when they get excited and stuff. Probably because they are, like, brothers and have been dreaming about this since they were kids and stuff. And so, it's always just like... Yeah, we get to live our dreams. Right. So, like, putting Roman with that could really help with his, like, genuine, uh, a, the crowd's genuine attraction to him. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And because it also gives you another opportunity, too, because, like, one of the ways that I think Roman Reigns initially got over was when he was part of the Shield, was because, you know, people liked Seth Rollins and Dean Ambrose, and then Roman Reigns coming in as the cleanup guy to help save them, like, helped garner a lot of goodwill towards him. And mm-hmm. when he's just a cleanup guy by himself, then it's like, oh, whatever, he's just a killer. But, like, when he's cleaning up to, like, help save the Usos, too, for example, I feel like that would also help garner him goodwill. Yeah. You know, like, some of the Usos' tag rivals or whatever are fucking him over or something, and then maybe Roman Reigns comes out of nowhere to spear that asshole. Like, you know? Because yeah. it's like, fuck you, you're not going to fuck over my cousins. Like, <laughs> I feel like that would help, like, there's just a lot of ways that, like, those kind of associations, right, like we're saying, I think would help. And yeah. I like, I like Actually, seeing it more. That- the Shield is a great example of, like, I think you saw that genuine brotherhood between those three. Mm-hmm. And that's what came across to the crowd. Yeah, definitely. And I, I, I know, at least definitely for me did, because I'm a big fan of, like, within tag teams and things like that, like, when you can show off the dynamic of why these guys are tag teams, like, why they're friends. And, like, mm-hmm. especially in, like, a tag match, if one guy will, like, you know, shove another guy out of the way of a move or, like, take the move for another guy... Like, I feel like that really yeah. shows unique tag team wrestling stuff that I like. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I'm just, I'm excited to see more of these opportunities. And I feel like it'd be smart if they well, do. Well, that's, but... it's like real life stuff, right? Yeah, exactly. It, it's like how a real person would react if you cared about someone, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, if your friend's about to get punched in the face, you would probably shove them out of the way. Right, like, you would, you'd want to do out. something to help them. Yeah. Yeah, Exactly. But yeah, I mean, somebody needs to do something to help Baron Corbin because, like, he is just awful. Uh, I don't know, like, what? Do... I mean, just, just get him off TV. That's yeah. I mean, I don't even know if there's any salvaging him at this point because I feel like he's pretty bad. Just in like, I feel like he just needs to go away for a long time, maybe get repackaged. Absolutely. Yeah, like I just never saw I, his NXT gimmick was so good, especially for that time. Mm-hmm. Like. He was he was the one saying like I didn't come up through the indies and was like shitting on the indies and stuff. That was great heel heat. Well, and you know I think I think this goes back to one of the things you've said many a times, which is very true about wrestling, which is that like a lot of the best wrestling personalities are the actual person just dialed up to like eleven. And yeah. it feels to me like that Baron Corbin was a lot more genuine, right? Because he was just basically talking about his own frustrations of like I don't like that all these people cheer these other guys just because they did all this other wrestling experience, but, like, why won't you cheer me just because I didn't have to? But then, like, now he's become... I'm working just as hard in the Performance Center as they are. Exactly. Like, that made sense. Like, that is an understandable character motivation. Like, we still don't like you because of the reality, but, like, it it made sense. But then Mm. now he's been, like, through all these weird phases of, like, being this corporate guy for so long, and then he won, like, this King thing, but, like, I don't understand what the King thing is supposed to mean anymore. And now he's got dog food. And now he's all obsessed with dog food because Roman Reigns is, like, the big dog, so he has to try and make dog. him eat dog food. Like, what the fuck is this? Is this weird like fetish one, shit? One reference. Is... That's, one <laughs> reference is all you needed to that. Dump dog food on Roman Reigns the one time, and that would have been fine. When they kept doing it, it was just like, what the fuck? You know, it's like, if, okay, if, if for some reason we have to be married to the concept of, like, all right, we have to have a dog-themed feud. Like, okay, fine. <laughs> I feel like... The better thing that you should have done. Just trying to imagine that at the, like a writer's meeting. Well, it's like, right, like a dog theme. It's like, <laughs> why the fuck did they come up with this otherwise? Like, I, like what kind of creative constraints did somebody put on them that then this was the end result? Because <laughs> I feel like it's like, all right, if we're doing this sort of thing, we have to have similar themes. Why not have the goal be to put a collar on Roman Reigns 
so that then he is directly subservient to Baron Corbin. Like, put him on a leash. Like, I feel like... Dog collar match. Yeah, like, dog collar match. That's only... Like, this makes more sense than just, I'm going to try and get him to eat dog food over and over and over again and pour it on him. It's like, what? (laughs) This feels like weird fetish porn to me. (laughs) Like, there's the whole cake-sitting thing. the two matches... The two matches that they could have done that I would have been okay (laughs) with for different reasons are the dog collar match, because then that would have made sense. Big dog, all right, dog collar. Like, they're attached to each other and they have to fight Mm -hmm. through it. And the WWE hasn't done that type of match in a very long time. Mm -hmm. I think the last one I can remember is like Eddie Guerrero and JBL. Um, I think they had a strap match or something like that. And then uh, Kennel in the Cell. Now, that would have been really shitty because the first one was. But I at least would have been like, okay, I acknowledge that you're calling back to something else. Mm-hmm. And I would have chuckled at it a little bit. Yeah. Like, yeah, like either, either of those would have been much better alternatives than, than this <laughs> dog shit. Literal dog shit. Oh, God, at least they didn't do dog shit. Yeah. Oh, my God. Can you imagine? Like, they've done so many shit feuds before. It's like, why not, right? Yeah. That was one of the DX things. Mm-hmm. Oof. Ugh. <laughs> Time to move on from that. All right. Uh, oh, oh my gosh. I'm trying to remember. Did we talk about the whole uh, Liv Morgan lesbian reveal thing yet? No, but uh, the Twitter backlash was fantastic. <laughs> Did you see that from um, uh, Fire and Desire? Oh, um, uh, Sonya? Yes, Sonya Deville and uh, who's her partner? Uh, Mandy Rose. Um, Mandy Rose, yeah. <clears throat> Blanking on names this morning. I've only had one cup of coffee, so. Uh, <laughs> need two cups for names. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> um, they tweeted out. It was like, Sonya was like, can you believe this or something like that? And then Mandy like responded and was like, no, I can't or I feel you or something like mm-hmm. that. Because I'm just like, you have someone who is actually... <laughs> lesbian Mm -hmm. and you decide to make someone else who's not like that character and apparently mandy rose and sonya deville like pitched a story i don't know if it was exactly like this how they revealed this or just like pitched Mm -hmm. an lgbt storyline to WWE, and they were like we'll take it into consideration and then did this and it's just like what the fuck yeah well it's like this is so silly and stupid for a couple different reasons one of them obviously definitely is the whole you know, Sony Deville, Mandy Rose, and apparently they've tried to pitch something before, and like, why not just yeah. go with that? But because even I don't know exactly what they pitched, but even if they didn't pitch something that great, I feel like their dynamic already kind of suggests a storyline. Like my my thought was that they were always going to eventually do something like that. Sonya was in love with Mandy, and Mandy knows that, and she's just always using that to her advantage to like manipulate Sonya to like eventually some sort of end. Like I thought mm-hmm. they would always just do something like that. I felt like that just made sense eventually as a storyline and like why they're together as a tag team um but then you know instead they're like all right we're gonna try and be diverse and we're trying forcing this lesbian storyline onto a different story which makes zero fucking sense as to why all of a sudden lana is secretly a lesbian with Liv. and i'm gonna go through a couple different steps as to why this doesn't make any sense so get ready one (laughs) There has been no established history of interaction between Lana or Liv. So, this comes out of completely nowhere. Two, Mm. when she comes out and starts (laughs) revealing this information, for some reason, Bobby Lashley is confused about what's going on. So, if he's confused, one of two things is happening, Joe. Either Lana is also lying to him and he doesn't know about any of this and he and she has been presumably fucking him, which why is she leaving Rusev because she's a secret lesbian to then go secretly fuck a black guy? Like, why is that what you're doing? And then on top of all this, why if this is actually this the the past of what's happened with these characters and this relationship when then Liv reveals what's going on why does Lada attack her why doesn't she just like hug her or kiss her or or like 
I don't know. Like, this is just so insane. And it... Oh, my God. And then on top of that, Rusev has another match with Lashley for no reason and loses again. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> what is the point of all of this? When, like, the last promos that we've seen of him, he's like, all right, I'm done with you. I'm in the clear. <laughs> he just keeps going back. Like, no, I just just want to keep on uh, Dude, I, I bet going you, after Lashley. I bet you he's going to keep going all the way to WrestleMania. Like, so, the, the only other thing as far as, like, a logic that I can assign to any of this, like, to any of this, is just from uh, things I've heard from, like, Dave Belter reporting on it and talking about the segment and how well, like, from a just a TV ratings perspective it does. And the numbers show that people fucking want to watch this for some reason. Like, I think it's a lot of casuals who are just like, what the hell's going on on this show? But apparently, you know, the numbers show that people want to watch it. So that's why Vince is going to keep doing this soap opera shit you know so mm-hmm. but it gets the sad part is, is it gets ratings i mean like kind of but i feel like it gets a lot of like meaningless ratings because it gets a lot of like just random social media views from people who aren't then going to watch raw or the royal rumble yeah. or any of that so it's <clears> like <throat> then again i don't know maybe i underestimate how important that is for just a general chatter of a product oh at this point at this point, I feel like they're just focused on TV ratings. Yeah, and, you know, one of their methods for that, I guess, right, is just like, well, let's just do controversial shit. So, like, let's make stuff that's bad so that people will talk about it a lot. Yeah. And here I am, this idiot <laughs> talking about it, do... so I guess it worked. <laughs> well, you just have to ride this line, right, where you're just like, do something controversial enough that it garners ratings, but not controversial enough that advertisers go, we're pulling out. Yep. So. That's the fine line, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah, good point. You're right. It's it's not crossing the line where sponsors, I guess, are getting pissed yet. So then it's like, all right, yeah, good on them, I guess. Like it's yeah, you know, it's, it's it's not anything even remotely interesting as far as wrestling is concerned, but as far as just an angle for uh, casuals to get involved in, I guess that's yeah. what they want. Uh, and I was gonna say though, speaking of ratings, apparently AEW is doing well enough that already. Not even six months after starting with TNT, they're already signed up for a renewal for, what is it, four more years? Yeah, through uh, through 2023, I think. Yeah. With, I think with an option for um, a fifth year. Option for a fifth year and escalating TV rights fees each year. Yeah. like, And an additional show. Yeah, and a second show. All of, the, all of that with... Like, did you hear that the TNT, like, they didn't, so TNT didn't release the money that they're giving them, but Dave Meltzer, is, like, said he thought he figured out, like, how much it is. Basically, AEW's gonna be profitable in their first year. Wow. With how much money they're getting from TNT. Never before. Any, like, this This goes beyond wrestling, right? Any company profitable in the first year is yeah, a shot in the dark. Like... Yeah, wow. Once in a blue moon, whatever the rare phrase you can say is. Right, yeah, like, that just doesn't happen. You know, like, for most companies, it's like, what, you're thinking at least, like, three years, maybe, probably? I think three years is, like, the, you're right, it's... But, yeah, wow. I mean, I guess they, uh, they've, they've set the bar high, and they just have to try and keep it up. Well, so many people (coughs) criticize, like, the AEW haters, so to Mm -hmm. speak, criticize them because, I mean, the ratings aren't blowing anyone out of the park like they're they're hovering around like i think a million right i think like a little less yeah yeah so um, i think their last one was like 900 something thousand yeah but they're still in the if you look at the over like the ratings of everyone else they're in the they were in the top five last week yeah exactly it's like yeah of like wednesday night primetime so yeah it's like i think that's one of the other things that a lot of people who are just hating on it in general don't understand just how bad tv ratings are period yes because there's so much at this point. Yeah, yeah, like it being spread across so many different things and just, you know, how a prolific cord cutting has been, you know, there's yeah. a lot of different factors as to why ratings are low in general. Or at least lower compared to, That's like, you know, the good. heydays of TV when there was, you know, like, 20 channels. So everything got a shitload yeah. more viewers. Uh, what is your uh, setup for watching TV? 
Uh, yes, my, my current Wednesday night situation. So actually, I guess my it's complicated because in my home, uh, <laughs> we don't have any cable set up. So like we are cord cut. Yeah. But the gym that I go to that's part of our uh, like apartment complex and whatnot, they have TVs in there. And I watch both AEW and NXT simultaneously on Wednesday nights there. Huh. So it's like, I guess I'm feeding into the numbers somehow. But it's not, it doesn't yes, count if as you're, me. If you're so I'm not, what, I'm not sure how they're counting me as far as the demographic. <laughs> uh, no, you would, be, you would be counted. But like, how do they know who I am, right? Like, it's just the TV in the gym, so like oh, an no, old no, no, person no, yeah. could be watching it. Like, it's like, maybe, the, maybe I'm being counted in the wrong demographic, I'm not sure. Oh, true, yeah, the demographic, you're, you're right. But you are at least, you're adding viewership numbers. Yes, I am one of the almost a million on either show. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, on the other hand, I add to the DVR numbers because Aaron and I do have cable. The only reason we do that is because we split it with a friend of mine. Ah, smart. So he he lived off campus from, uh, it'll be not last year. Yeah, it was last year. That's what it was. Yeah, last year he lived off campus, so he had to have his own entire Xfinity package, mm-hmm. like cable, Wi-Fi, stuff yep. like that. Uh, and then got on campus housing again this year, mm-hmm. but um, so that meant that he would get uh, Wi-Fi from the university, mm-hmm. so you don't need to pay for all that stuff. But he signed like a two-year contract. Oh shit! With Comcast, <laughs> and so he was like, "Well, why don't I just say I moved into Joe's house, and then we split the we we split it fifty yeah. fifty, and so like that was too that was." Too cheap to pass up, basically. No, that's so, too good of a deal. That's smart. Yeah. So, yeah, we have cable, and so I DVR. Uh, I try to watch... It's... Uh, I try to watch AEW Live, and then I try to watch NXT on DVR. Mm-hmm. But it also depends on... There's some nights that, like, if there's, like, a big match on NXT, and uh, I don't see anything that I'm, like, dying to see on AEW, then I'll switch over, but that's only ever happened once mm-hmm. in a while. Yeah, I feel like it's... Uh, it, it, it's, it's really consistently... Like, NXT is always, you know, delivering a good in-ring product, but, like, they're not always doing a big angle. And mm-hmm. then, like, AEW, I feel like the, they're always trying something. That's kind of one of the things I feel like very yeah. exciting about watching AEW, because I feel like I never quite know exactly what I'm going to get. Yeah, I mean, at least recently with this, like, Jericho-Moxley angle, mm-hmm. there's always going to be something big. You, you kind of mm-hmm. know that. Yeah, yeah. I feel like they always want to try something big. But as far as, like, even, like, scattered throughout the show, I feel like there's a lot of fun experimental elements. Like, for example, uh, in the commercial breaks, when they have, like, the side-to-side, like, uh, smaller caption, like, the second screen. Mm -hmm. So there's no audio, but you can still have visual. And it's, like, leading into a match. A lot of times in AEW, they'll have Sammy Guevara out there in those segments with the cue cards and stuff. And I feel like that's a really smart way to try and take advantage of that. As far as just like yeah. a new thing to try and see where it goes, and it's like, yeah, I like, I like the type of thinking that's happening. Like, it doesn't always work. Clearly, like things like the Nightmare Collective, I think, are having a lot of trouble getting over. Dark Order's having trouble. Like, there's a lot of things they're not doing quite right yet. But I like the, I feels like the attitude they're having towards like just letting people experiment. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. What do you what do you think of as far uh, as far as like AEW's direction at this point? I think they're in a much better direction. Um, I think the addition of the the new show. I hope it's like AEW Dark with more of the the rumors that I'm hearing are it's gonna have more of like a road to feel to it with like videos and stuff explaining characters and things like mm, that. Okay. So I hope I hope it's more of that because that could really help them with these characters that people don't know as much mm-hmm. about like uh a uh like a butcher and blade yeah or, you know who who's who would be another person that they should do this for is someone like that qt marshall guy because yeah. i i was laughing out loud when he came out for that tag team match and i shit you not do you know what his uh little tagline was when because you know they always like give somebody like a little thing of like you know they beat this person or they have this win streak going or whatever yeah his was or like a, impressed in a tag team loss and i was like what <laughs> you don't write that what the fuck is that like you just basically might as well have said this guy's a fucking loser like what the fuck <laughs> is that 
Oh my god. No. Like, <laughs> don't write that. <laughs> like, that was, like, a big for me. I was like, no. Somebody fucked up. <laughs> but, yeah, I, I'm loving the, the Wednesday Night Wars. I feel like it's... The other thing, too, that's just so cool about them going to head-to-head is I feel like it definitely has had a direct impact on how hard everybody's trying on both sides. Yes. And, uh, like, if, if nothing else, I feel like one of the things I'll always be so grateful for with AEW being around is that it's making so many people try to be better wrestlers. Because, like, whether it's they're trying to, like, say if they're an AEW wrestler and they're just trying to make AEW better, or if they're a WWE wrestler and they're trying to make WWE better, or if there's somebody on either side trying to make themselves look good to try and jump ship eventually. Like, everybody yeah. has an opportunity and a reason or at least more opportunities and more reasons to try harder. Oh, yeah. And, and think about, like, the contracts that are uh, coming mm-hmm. out. Like, guys are getting, like, these big deals. Ooh, a contract that we haven't been able to talk about, Marty Skrull. Mm. That is an interesting one. Yes, let's talk about that. Yes. So, we, we constantly talk about uh, WWE and AEW. Um throwing out the big money and stuff like that apparently ring of honor is throwing their uh their money putting their money where their mouth is um because they signed marty scroll to what Meltzer reported as a wwe main event level contract Mm -hmm. which is crazy like they before apparently i think uh oh who was it matt taven apparently when he recently renewed uh Meltzer said it was similar to like a wwe mid-card contract Mm -hmm. Which is still huge for Ring of Honor, um, but now they're he's saying scroll with a main event level contract, and is now the head booker of Ring of Honor. Yeah, or at least like on the booking committee, like very much in charge of those kinds of things. Oh no, he's he's head booker. Wow. They said Delirious is still mm-hmm. there, but just but like, that Marty is the head now. Uh, Marty's Dang. the head now. Yeah. Well, I mean they're they're throwing down the big money, and it sounds like from other things, or at least from just what i've seen from other things it seems like it might already be paying off i don't know if this is marty's doing or somebody else is doing but the big uh ring of honor super card that's being put together and there's a lot of like new japan talent that's going to be appearing there and mm-hmm. you know it's like i feel like that's just good for new japan like you know when you can when you can be in the good graces of big brother new japan good things will happen for you yes yeah and i i do wonder as far as like with marty Skrull in this extremely advantageous position obviously i feel like he's going to try and do what's good for him and what's good for ring of honor but i'm wondering as far as because uh, there were a lot of rumors talking about how he was rumored to be the secret leader of the dark order until uh the ring of honor contract situation took him away from being able to go to aew mm. and then with that i wonder if maybe his long-term plan because like I don't know. I feel like this would be what I'd be trying to do if I were him. Is like try and get partnerships with both AEW and New Japan. Be that guy that helped make that connection. Bridge, bridge yes. the gap. Try to bridge that gap if you can, or something. Because I don't know. I feel like I see this like magnificent thing forming eventually in the future, where like if you could have you know a couple of the other American indie companies like Ring of Honor and whatnot, and you've got AEW, you've got New Japan all aligned in kind of NWA. like a new wrestling alliance against the WWE right along with the NWA because he's already got that Ring of Honor is both partner now with New Japan and NWA yep. so so then yeah if you could just extend that olive branch over to AEW as well who knows because I mean that's I feel like that's something that has to be in some people's mind right with how long he was associated with the elite and how much it seems like it was probably the plan for him to go there eventually, but then that only recently changed. Mm-hmm. So I don't, I'm I'm hopeful and excited because because Ring and over Ring of Honor threw up uh, enough money and a position at him. Yeah. <laughs> Although you know, I guess I guess the other thing to consider as far as how that deal went down, right, is like how much Ring of Honor needed that. Because I feel like Ring of Honor has been kind of in like a in a rough spot for a while, hasn't it? Yeah, they. This has probably been their biggest like highlight in a very long mm-hmm. time. So hopefully this will be you know a sign of more good things to come. 
for them. Um, ooh, but speaking of other things that were kind of cool, because I, I want to get more of your thoughts on um, something I had sent to you a little while ago. There was a, a, a post that Cassius Ono had put out online talking about some of the oh, styles yes. of wrestling that I thought was really interesting. Yes, I have been meaning to respond to you about that. Uh, let me pull it. Oh, yeah, here we go. All right, so, Cassius Ono. Nowadays, each style shares influence from one another. If I had to compactly elucidate the essence of each, I would say. For Japanese style, he says it's struggle through sport. For Mexico, he says yep. it's marriage of pageantry and acrobatics. For uh, British-European, he says it's physical and mental chess. And then for American wrestling, he says it's a morality play. And I, I feel like that's a really good uh, categorization, but I, I want to get your thoughts first on just all that. I mean, it's a great, concise, like, mm-hmm. uh, summary of each kind, right? Because, uh, so what was it up first? Uh, Japanese was... Struggle through sport. Struggle through through sport, which is absolutely, like, they they are the sport one out of all the different areas. Um, uh, America is more the theatrics. I feel like it's like the theatrics, but right, like, it uh, it's like, so America is the morality play, which I think makes sense with how much they're focused on like the baby face and heel dynamic. Yes. But like, that's what, like morality play, mm-hmm. I feel like I imagine like theater. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, like, yeah, definitely theater, but like theater in the way of like, we're always focused on like the good versus bad struggle. Like, cause it's all about telling a moral. So then it's like, well, what mm-hmm. is the moral? Is like saying what is good versus what is bad. You know, whereas like, you know, opposed to like, so for example, like with the British and European style being more physical and mental chess, I feel like there's a lot more matchups that are less about like who's the good guy and who's the bad guy, like as a big concept and more just these two guys are fighting and that's it. Like, <laughs> But like, yeah. of course, going into <laughs> the technical elements of like, you know, what does this move do to another guy? Like, you know, the, the precise physicality of it, I feel like is a lot more important in European wrestling. So like, um, I was explaining, cause I, I thought this was a really good idea. And so I decided to try and explain it to my wife a little bit. And an example I, uh, used as far as like really good, you know, European style wrestling and why this, like how this comes into play was, uh, mm. the Pete Dunn and, uh, Oh my god, why am I blanking on his name? Tyler Bate. Walter? Tyler Bate. Oh, Tyler Bate. Although, Walter matches would also be very good for this kind of thing. But, <laughs> I was thinking of, like, Tyler Bate and Pete Dunne, because, like, uh, though their matches were really long, they would have really, really uh, intricate levels of, like, selling, and when, like, certain... So, for example, like, you know, Pete Dunne, how he always concentrates on the fingers and the hands and arms and stuff. So, like, mm-hmm. Pete, you know, Tyler Bate would, like, hit... Uh, you know, suplex or soon move on Tyler or Pete Dunn early in the match. But then once his fingers and hands are all fucked up, then he'd be trying to do the same move, but he would have to do it a different way because he couldn't use that hand anymore. So like, I feel like there yeah. was a lot of like attention to like long-term selling in European style wrestling that yeah. just kind of, you know, in American and Mexican style wrestling, people just kind of like spring up and don't feel it anymore. Or like in Japanese style wrestling, there's like a lot more of the focus on strong style of just pushing through the pain anyway. Whereas, mm. yeah, with British-style wrestling, I feel like there's, like, nope, once the damage is done, the damage is done. Period. Like, <laughs> that kind of yeah. that chess element of, like, keeping track of the, uh, yeah, you've lost a limb, the limb is gone. You don't get it back. Yeah. Like, when, uh, as kids used to play with, like, lightsabers and stuff, you go, oh, yep, your arm's yeah, gone Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I can't just use the force to grow back my limb. Like, <laughs> the limb is just gone. <laughs> and also, I think, uh, you know, for Mexican wrestling, describing that as the pageantry of, you know, the marriage of pageantry and acrobatics, I thought was also really spot on. That, yeah. Probably the most spot on out of all mm-hmm. of them. Yeah. It, because it absolutely is just, I mean, the masks and the colorfulness of it all, and then, you're right, it's, I mean, the most acrobatic style. Yeah. And, you know, the, the way the physicality is done, like, I, I feel like it was even evident in just like the way you describe characters too because like instead of using the baby face and heel terminology it's technico and rudo and a technico mm-hmm. basically is just like oh well you're very technical so the baby yeah. face in that dynamic is the person who does the most acrobatic and like showy moves 
versus the Rudo, who's just somebody who has a bad attitude, is going to like you know, punch you and ground you down. So like that's the dynamic is just oh well flighty versus fighty, and then you know American it's like oh good versus bad, mm-hmm. and it's I feel like there's just, it's very interesting the way that you recontextualize the whole thing, and like the way that the moves are done too right it's so much more directly coordinated between uh, the opponents the different moves because I feel like usually when I'm watching Lucha, I feel like there's a much bigger disparity between like the moves looking really, really good when they're done correctly. And then looking like Mm -hmm. really bad and forced, uh, like tandem acrobatics when it's not done well. Like, cause when Mm -hmm. you can't hide the fact that you're working together very well, then it just doesn't look like you're fighting. And I feel like that's when like bad Lucha just looks like dancing instead of fighting. Because then yeah. it's like, oh, well, they're just clearly helping each other to flip around. <laughs> <laughs> Which, like, of course they actually are. But when it's done right, it doesn't look like they're helping each other. Yeah. But, yeah, I, I, I thought, like, Cassius Ono's thoughts on the uh, the different styles of wrestling were really interesting. And in that light, I would uh, be interested to hear what your thoughts as far as, like, for you, which uh, style of wrestling do you think appeals most to you? Uh, I kind of like a combination of the uh, theater of North America with the sport of Japan. Mm. Mm-hmm. It depends on my mood. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's another really important, right? Like for somebody who's really a big wrestling fan, right? I think it depends on your mood. Yeah. But yeah, so overall you would say probably you, you lean a little bit more towards uh, American and Japanese. At least that, yeah. that combination. Yeah. Which, yeah, I feel like How about that you? makes a lot of sense, right? Because I feel like you've you've said before, like, your favorite uh, promotion is Ring of Honor, right? Yes. And I feel like Ring of Honor kind of... old Ring of Honor. ...tries to be a lot more of, like, that blend between those two. Like, mm-hmm. kind of having the American style plus a lot more of, like, the uh, hard-hitting Japanese sort of style. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. I think for me... Hmm. I think, I think I've really, really grown... A lot more because I think I used to uh, enjoy American wrestling a lot more before, and I think I've become a lot more of just like a like a Japanese wrestling purist almost. Like I just I love that style so much, mm-hmm. and I love the I think I love the way that their calendar is set up. Like I think that just like the foundations of like so for example, obviously I'm talking about New Japan, the way that the yeah promotion is just set up. I think helps so much for like the suspension of disbelief that it's just so easy for me to get into a lot of the stories and i don't know i i, mm-hmm. I don't know I, I guess I'm, I'm saying this but at the same time i'm like you know but aw is helping me to appreciate mexican or not mexican american wrestling more again because i feel like wwe yes, just turned me off of it so bad right for way. so long that like aw yeah. is helping me get back into it because i feel like nxt like even though it is american i don't think it acts like an american wrestling company in a lot of ways no there there's almost no story it's just it's more of a japanese style i'll say in sense of i feel like it's like japanese it's slash sport. european yes mm-hmm. yeah well because they have so many yeah a lot of the nxt uk people yeah yeah but i i mean i, I don't know i feel like that's always been kind of in it right because like william regal's always been down there kind of helping to shape that place so i think it's always kind of yeah. had that little bit of that that grit mm-hmm. um but yeah i don't I guess, even though it's really weird because I know Lucha Underground was like my favorite show for a while. Like I feel like I guess right now probably just my least favorite style of wrestling is uh, Mexican or like Lucha, but I still like that too at times because like Fantastic Mania is happening in New Japan right now, so like it's a fun, nice little break from their their normal yeah, stuff. Yeah, and a, a blend of styles as well. Yeah, there. yeah, very cool blend of styles, and it's fun to see because like so for example, uh, El Desperado, like when he was on excursion uh, to Mexico, he was under a different mask called Namahage. And so now, mm-hmm. and uh, with the Luchadors are coming back, he's brought back that old character. So he's not oh, El Desperado okay. right now. He's Namahage. So he's like this crazy Japanese demon. But, like, he acts completely <laughs> differently. Like, he goes around and, like, high-fives the audience and stuff when he comes in, which he never does as El Desperado. So it's, it's interesting mm-hmm. to see. Uh, but, yeah, like... The world of New Japan has just been so cool, and it, it, I love that we've had the time to breathe after Wrestle Kingdom and New Year's Dash, so I can like take it in. 
So like, yeah. uh, did you? How much? Are, it's not just like on to something. Right. Else. Like it's not just like all right. Well, that doesn't matter anymore. Uh, but yeah, did you get to watch any uh, Russell Kingdom? Yes. What did you uh, What did you think of what um, you saw? I got to see all. I got to see all the title okay, matches. Nice. Uh, I saw the Jericho match. Um, I don't get what people were criticizing Jericho about that match. I don't either. I thought that was a good match. Yeah. Like yeah, he's not the Jericho from WCW anymore. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, he's older, but he's still a good wrestler. So, uh, but I loved all the title matches and seeing Naito win it all was fantastic. Yeah, that was man, that was so satisfying to see all these years come together, and, uh, and the crowd just uh, crowd, like so it like right in the final moments too, like before he ended up hitting the final Destino, and he had gone up for the Stardust mm-hmm. Press. Like, my heart dropped in my stomach. So I was like, no, no, no. It's like, oh, no, no, not again. You're going to miss it. And then he's going to pin you. Exactly. It was like, not again, not again. But then he fucking hit it. And then I just like, oh, my God. I like stood up. I was like on the edge of, like, I guess I wasn't on the edge of my seat anymore. I was out of my seat. I was like, yes, yes. And then he hits the Destino. (laughs) Oh, my God. I lost it. But, yeah, I like, oh, my God. I was about to die in that moment when he was going up for the Stardust Press. And, like, it was so good, too. Commentary nailed it. Um, I think it was Chris Charlton. And he was like, oh, no, Naito, don't do it. Don't get cute. Like, remember what happened <laughs> two years ago? Because what happened at Wrestle Kingdom 12 was that was why he lost. He had yeah. Okada, but then he went for the fucking Stardust Press and lost. And I was like, no. Oh, God. But it was. A, Could you imagine how crushed would oh you have been? Oh my god! If he, if this, <laughs> the same exact thing happened, I, I would have felt like Ibushi after two losses straight at Wrestle Kingdom. <laughs> that poor man. Oh my god. Although, man, I am excited to see. Uh, so at New Year's Dash, he ended up teaming up alongside Tanahashi, and uh, looks like he's they're going to be trying to challenge uh, Finjuice for the tag belts. Yes, yeah, so nice. Kota Ibushi and Hiroshi Tanahashi is the tag team. That's exciting stuff. I'm also really excited. I keep thinking it might happen that, like, Dark Kota Ibushi's going to take over. Because, like, that was starting to come out of Wrestle Kingdom. Did you see that in his matches with uh, Okada and Jay White? Like, you know, when he goes too far in the flip switch or the switch flips? Mm hmm. I just, man, there's a part of me that wants him to just become, like, dark and cold, evil Ibushi for, like, a long time. Like, turn heel. I mean, he would have the. What was it? Uh, like the reasoning to yeah. do so. Yeah, after the two losses at Wrestle Kingdom, that's rough. Um, but yeah, like shit. Naito's double champion. Yeah, Kota Ibushi took the hard losses, but uh, I, I thought that was a really fun Wrestle Kingdom overall. Like Jushin Thunder Liger's retirement was done well. Um, Hiromu Takahashi's ascension as the new junior ace. My God. That was really great against Osprey. You saw, I'm assuming you saw that, right? You said all the title matches? Yes. Yeah. That was fucking... I mean, Osprey's just the best wrestler in the world, I think, right now. Yeah, I... You know what? I... Because I, I don't think we actually talked about this formally, but, like, for uh, for 2019, like, I would probably say I would I'd pick Osprey as the wrestler of the year. Um, but who would you pick? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I would pick Osprey. Because <clears throat> other wrestlers had their, like downtimes and things like that osprey like every match was just so good so mm-hmm. and like a- and even like even real life stuff of uh like him starting the argument on twitter with like seth Rollins oh yeah was just so good that's right I totally forgot that was this year too yeah that was 2019 that's right it's like the the, <laughs> the best wrestlers in the world like wrestle here or something like that and osprey's like i wasn't there yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh it's so good yeah, man. I don't know. Yeah, I feel like 2019 was a really surprisingly good year. Like, I didn't think it was going to be that great of a year, right? Like, going into it, but, like, you know, the birth of yeah. AEW and a lot of other good wrestling just period has turned 20. Birth of AEW, but that also led to the Wednesday Night Wars. Yep. We didn't know that was coming, mm-hmm. so. Yeah. And then now we got 2020, whole new year, and it's just continuing to build. <laughs> new year, new wrestling. New year, new wrestling. Yes, and as far as, like, I'm, I'm really curious to see, like, what their plans are in New Japan, like, for this year with, like, the double champion. Like, how do you book around that? Like, what are their, 
plans like I, I have a I think would be a really good idea that they could try to do. It's a little bit of a conspiracy though. So uh, mm-hmm. in the New Japan Cup, generally, you know, like the winner of the New Japan Cup just gets a title shot. Period. Like that's how it goes. Yeah. Um, I think it would be really interesting if, say, you book the New Japan Cup so that Naito is in the cup, he loses to somebody on the way. So, like, let's say, for example, I'm going to say, like, say he loses to Sonata in the cup. But then, say, Sonata gets to the finals, but then loses to somebody else. Then I think what you could do is, you know, the winner of the New Japan Cup, of course, would normally have the claim of, well, hey, I won the New Japan Cup. I should get the heavyweight title match. But then you would have Sonata, who's like, well, but I pinned Naito. I pinned the champion. So I should get a title shot, too. And then, therefore, he would get the intercontinental title shot. So that's how you can split mm-hmm. up the belts. Like, oh, so okay. then, say, Sonata beats him for the Intercontinental title, and then, I don't know, in my brain, I would want Naito to at least keep one of those belts. So Naito keeps the other one for now and eventually loses it later. Probably to Okada in the summer because he's, uh, Okada's going to be like carrying the torch for the Olympics. And so a lot of people are theorizing. Uh, it's like, they're probably going to want to put the belt back on Okada for that. <laughs> it's yeah. like, yeah, they probably will. Like, if it were WWE, it's like, oh, of course they will. But, like, New Japan, they probably will. Yeah. We'll see. Possibly, I guess it depends yeah. on what their other long-term if, booking plans are. But, like, you know, I guess they would have known about the Olympics for a long time, so. <laughs> yeah, I think you know. Because didn't, didn't they announce it, like, several years ago? Like, don't they announce it? Yeah, they know, like, at least eight years in advance, I think, when they're hosting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because, like... I'm assuming it's on the same scale. I think it was la- it's either last year or two years ago. North America found out that they were going to host the World Cup in 2026. Mm. So that's like eight years, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah. So I'd assume it's on the same scale. Yeah, that makes sense. So yeah, I'm sure they would have known about this a long time. So I feel like it makes yeah. sense for yeah, Okada will probably get the belt then in the summer at some point. Now, is that definite that he's carrying the torch? Yes. Or... I'm, I'm, I'm pretty damn okay. sure. I mean, I'd have to look it up again, but, like, everything I've heard is, like... Yeah, there's always it's always a list of, like, 20-some, like, celebrities and athletes and stuff. Yeah, like so that, I think so. I think that's in stone. But, yeah, Okada will be mm-hmm. carrying the torch at some point. But, I like... Now so the question is... From a storyline perspective, I feel like it'd be way more satisfying. Like, okay, you can still put a belt on him. But what you should do is put the Intercontinental belt on him. Because I feel like his storyline going into the whole thing was that it's like, oh, well, who cares about the Intercontinental belt? Like, I have the heavyweight belt. I have the gold medal. Why would I want the silver medal? But mm-hmm. the reality of how Wrestle Kingdom 14 went down was the silver medalist just beat you. So maybe there's some yeah. worth to that silver medal. Maybe you should try and chase that silver medal and find out what it's about. And, and some re- re- revenge, right? Right. Or, like, I don't know, even maybe, like, maybe this is too Japanese, but, like, maybe, like, a curiosity for, like, what does what does the Intercontinental Championship mean if the Intercontinental Champion was able to beat me? Like, <laughs> I have to find out the strength of this belt. Like, <laughs> that might be too Japanese of a sentiment, but, like, that's my, that's my fan booking of it, I guess. Because I feel like, also, if, if Okada went after the IC belt, I feel like that would elevate its, uh standing even more to really show that like it's on equal footing basically as the uh, heavyweight title mm-hmm. but either way I trust in Ghetto he gave me he gave me Naito winning the double belts so he did not betray us <laughs> we can all live happily yeah. now oh I guess the, the, the final question then is uh, is Paul Heyman going to betray us with his uh, spoilers because so far all of his spoilers have come true. And he's talking yes. about and Brock Lesnar running through the Royal Rumble and winning. From the, I, I don't think that happens. I think they have to use the Rumble, oppor- Rumble as an opportunity to put someone else up there against Lesnar. Mm-hmm. Um, some names that have been thrown around are uh, Drew Galloway mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. of... Or yeah. Drew McIntyre. Uh, uh, because of his like recent babyface turnings and mm-hmm. WWE seems to be really behind him. Keith Lee mm. is another mm-hmm. one, and then the always obvious because of how their last match ended, Kane Velasquez. Yeah, you know what? 
not interested in Cain Velasquez. Um, but Drew, Drew McIntyre yep. or Keith Lee? Fuck it, yeah. yeah. I would like to see that. I think... And all it is, you just you just have Lesnar go on a tear of, like, 10 guys or 12 guys. Like, yeah. probably, probably you want to do double-digit amounts or something. And then just have Drew McIntyre walk out, have them, like, go after each other for a little bit, and then just, bam, McIntyre just, like... And it's got to be, like, a big eliminate, like, a clothesline over, or he can take... That just takes him and flips him over, like... Ooh, you know what? What if, um... Because as far as, like, what if, uh... Keith Lee does it? You remember how he did, like, the big, uh... What's it called? The pounce? Where he the threw pounce. Adam Cole? Yeah. What if he pounces Brock Lesnar? And the force just forces him yeah, out Yeah, like, of the he ropes. just fucking pounces that motherfucker out of the ring. <laughs> Done. Oh, man. That, ooh, that could be huge. That's, like, that's a moment that they would play forever like yeah. who the fuck is gonna pounce Brock Lesnar motherfucking Keith, Keith Lee, Lee. That's they, who. they have given Keith Lee they've given him like a big uh, like monster kind of like gimmick now he's been like more aggressive I would mm-hmm. say so and that's I think that's what he's needed yeah yeah that's true yeah, because if he doesn't have enough aggression, then he should, they're just going to do the same thing to him with they do with every other black person. They're just like, oh, well, you're just happy. You're happy yeah. to be here, Biggie. dancing, clapping. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I think either one of those guys could be great. Because, yeah, also, the other thing with Drew McIntyre, obviously, like they are very big on him. And yeah. he's, he's and he gotten has, a lot bigger yeah. since he's been gone, too. I think that like he's probably one of the few guys. Bigger like, experience. Yeah, I think him looking against Brock Lesnar, that doesn't look like a horrible mismatch. Like, that looks no. good. And they've done a smart thing as far as, like, keeping him away from Lesnar. So it's not like he's already gotten his ass kicked. Yeah. It's not like Braun Strowman who, like, oh, my God, do you remember that? When, like, they had that match and then he just lost after <laughs> one at five. <laughs> Meanwhile, take, it took, like, Seth Rollins, like, three to lose that one time. Yep. And, oh, my God. And, like, even Daniel Bryan, it took, I think, multiple F5s. Like, everybody <laughs> survived a couple. Meanwhile, we were like, oh, Braun Strowman's going to be the guy that takes down Brock Lesnar. Nope. Nope. But, yeah, maybe it'll be Drew McIntyre or Keith Lee. Yeah. And we will uh, be back later this week after we watch all the go-home shows. So probably Saturday then, so that we have a chance to watch SmackDown. Yeah, I think that'll probably be Uh, the day. And we will go, uh, go down our Rumble predictions. Yes. Uh, I think it might be fun. We we should throw in some categories of like who we think has the most eliminations, Ooh, who lasts the longest. Mm-hmm. We can throw some of those categories out there. That's good. I like that. Because it's only going to be like five ish matches, right? Yeah, I mean it's going to be like the two rumble matches, and then um, yeah. Oh, the two. I always forget the two rumble. I assume yeah. they're still going to do a women's. Would that be funny if they're just like, ah, fuck it, we're not doing a women's rumble anymore? <laughs> no, no, they're definitely doing oh, a dude, women's one. I can tell you who's like, going to win that right now. Uh, Shayna Baszler. Is winning oh, the women's yeah. rumble. Period. Uh, as of right now, there are seven matches announced: the two rumbles, and then we've got Fiend versus Daniel Bryan, uh-huh. Becky versus Oscar, oh, right. Roman Reigns versus Corbin, <laughs> Shorty G versus Sheamus. Oh God! <laughs> and Bailey versus Lacey. Oh Evans. my God! Ugh. <laughs> all I'm looking forward to. Is <laughs> yes, the like, just it's like, God damn it! It's like all right. And Becky yeah, Asuka. Yeah, Becky Asuka, like, like, okay, that's fine. Uh, Daniel Bryan Fiend, if they don't fuck it up, maybe. Uh, no but then, Reigns. like, yeah, Roman Reigns, Baron Corbin, no. Bailey and Lacey Evans, no. <laughs> Sheamus and Chad uh, Gable, no. <laughs> also, uh, as of today, we only have four women announced for the Women's Royal. Are you serious? <laughs> Charlotte, Alexa, Nikki, and Sarah Logan are the only ones that have been like. And here, Charlotte announced it on mm-hmm. Raw. Alexa and Nikki Cross announced it on SmackDown. Sarah Logan announced her on Twitter. <laughs> oh, God. Um, meanwhile, we've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19 guys. We, we even had one guy declare and then undeclare the Royal Rumble. <laughs> oh my god. Man, Arch, I love our truth. 
Dude, our truth got <laughs> Brock Lesnar to laugh. That was pretty good. <laughs> got Brock Lesnar to corpse on TV. That's good. Yeah, nah. Uh, I love our truth. He's so funny. Um, I hope he wins the Royal Rumble. No, I'm just kidding. I hope it's Keith Lee. Yeah. Is that as I say? Is no. that your pick? I want it, it, Drew McIntyre or Keith Lee, but I, you know what? I'm really pulling. I want Keith Lee. Although I think it's probably more likely McIntyre. Between the two. But yeah, we'll we'll do official All predictions right. next week. Got time to think about it. Yeah. Nope. I'm taking that. I'm right now. I'm down right now. <laughs> and, said. and WWE has more time to announce women in their Rumble. <laughs> Although I don't know why they don't just do the honest thing and be like. It's just gonna be all of them. Like we don't, yeah. we barely yeah. even have enough women to fill this thing out. So it's it's it just they're all in. <laughs> they're all in, and we'll have a couple. Yeah, seconds. then we'll we'll have a couple of legends, you know, come in to do a little bit of stuff. That's yeah, that is one of the other things that's always just fun about the rumble. You know, it's just like the the legends yeah. that come up. Yeah, it's fun. But well, DDP is definitely not gonna be one of the legends <laughs> yeah, this year. That's, that's true. All right, I think we're gonna call right. for the week then. Yep. All right, and we'll see you Saturday with our rumble predictions. Yes, see you all next week for rumble predictions. Peace out. <laughs>